Um, all right, so let's jump right in. We're in session six. This is the last session. Um, again, we've been trying to send out recordings every week. Uh, we'll definitely compile all of them and send it in an email this week if you've uh, missed any. Um, do you mind grabbing the door real quick? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> They're coming in here. Six. This is our last session. I literally just started. Um, I was just saying, if you did miss any sessions, uh, we'll send out a link this week, um, and you should be able to catch up on those. I think there's one or two, one bad recording for sure, um, but hopefully we'll have the rest of them on there. Um, so I'll repeat this at the end, but basically what will happen after this, we'll, we'll send out uh, all the videos to you guys, and then also a membership profile. Uh, thing and uh, basically we need you guys to fill that out and it'll kind of ask a question like do you still desire to become a member at this church some basic information about you um, your testimony your and, and what questions you might have generally uh, you can kind of put it in there I think so basically once you fill that out one of the three of us uh, pastors will uh, get look over that and get together with you guys for a pastoral interview. And, and, and even if you decide not to become a member, we'd still encourage you to do that. We'd love to just hear some feedback and see what just how to serve you guys um, in this season. Um, but that's that's kind of what the next step is basically. But today is our last session, uh, so it's on page fifty-two in mine. Um, so. Um, so far we've kind of talked about a lot of our, um, the first, first few weeks was doctrine of the local church, why it's important, distinctives, um, that kind of are not so unique, but kind of distinctives that set us aside, uh, in Sovereign Grace churches. Um, um, and then we kind of talked about our practices in the church, what, what are convictions that shape our ministries, and then last week, I'm sure Steve did a really good job about our culture, and hopefully when we talked about culture, none of that was surprising to you, you were like, certainly we're not perfect in any of those areas, but at least you know those are the things we're striving for, um, to cultivate in our culture, um, and that's basically what you feel in your interactions with people, it's, um, Hopefully that's a reality, and, and it's just as important to us as the doctrines that we emphasize earlier. So finally, we're going to talk about our community, and um, these are the commitments that we make to each other. And this is important because um, when we think about membership, there is um, there are responsibilities and expectations that Scripture talks about that we are to make. Um, to one another. Uh, and that's done in the context of a church that has a particular structure. And structure um, that is defined by scripture and we try to implement here as well. Um, so today we'll kind of start with talking about the structure of the church a little bit and what are the roles of pastors, elders, what are the roles and responsibilities of members. Um, how does our church fit into the larger denomination of Sovereign Grace Churches? Um, and then, that's it. That's really it. It's just like a lot of pages of that. And then finally, we'll end with our membership covenant. So, um, on page 62, um, which is Appendix 1, if you haven't read any of the appendices, 
uh, I would encourage you to, you definitely need to read this one because if <laughs> you choose to become a member, you'll have to sign this membership covenant. Um, we won't go over it today, but just read it carefully as you're filling out the membership profile just to be like, hey, are these things that I'm willing to commit to as uh, moving forward as a church member? Um, so well, this is not like something where like, hey, just... It is kind of a weighty thing, something you do before the Lord, something we do with each other, um, and um, there's a level of sobriety to it as we make this covenant. Now, this is not a covenant that, like, it's not the same level as, like, marriage or anything like that, it, but it is similar language as far as we're making promises to each other of how we're going to walk with each other as long as the Lord has us here, you know, and very normally, People leave our church in. Um, I think the the way we've kind of um, approached membership is we want it. We want to make it harder for people to become members, but we want to make it very easy for people to leave. Um, I don't know if that some people don't like that. Um, but harder as in like, hey, we, we just want to make sure you really want to be a member. That's all we're trying to say when you come in. Please, please, please. We'll tell you tons of reasons maybe you won't like it here and I want you to be aware of that up front um, but when people choose to leave uh, especially if it's for very understandable reasons like people leave and it's understandable um, most like the reason most people leave our church other than moving away is um, I would say particular ministries don't it's just not what it's not meeting the needs of what they're looking for in the church and that's totally understandable, whether it's kid stuff or Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights, whatever. Um, I get it. It's a it's a bummer, but like that's kind of um, that's a better reason to leave than um, a relational conflict or you know some. And we've had some bad departures over the years as well over theological issues. Um, one of the worst ones was about related to song choices on a Sunday morning. That literally blew up really big time. Sometimes you would think that's not a big deal, but <laughs> sometimes the carpet color. I'm serious. It's, yeah, I've heard of things. Th and thankfully not. <laughs> but when we came into this church, this building, and we did a lot of stuff, there was a lot of serving and a lot of opportunity for a conflict, sure. and there was some of that to work through as well. Yeah. But uh, thankfully, the Lord has preserved us. There are, there have been. I mean, if you look at the churches around us, like even kind of in our narrow camp, things that have split apart churches over the last five, six years have been issues of politics, of race, of COVID. And like, there have been plenty of times in the last four years where we were just like, I don't think this church is gonna survive these eruptions in culture that are just kind of like blowing up even in the church. But the Lord has preserved us in His kindness. I, I, I don't presume upon those things can't rear their ugly heads again, but we're, we're just trusting the Lord to, that that would not be true here, that those things wouldn't, you know, create those kind of ruptures in our church. But, but they happen, unfortunately. Okay, uh, so how's our church structured? Um, I won't talk about this a lot, but we're an elder-governed and elder-led church. I think this was one of our distinctives that we talked about um, earlier. Basically, what we mean is the elders have been given the final and sole um, responsibility and authority to govern and oversee the church according to Scripture. Um, uh, this is in, in contrast to a congregational-led church where the congregation has the sole and final authority um, and accountability, um, which is not something we disagree with, but it is something that we don't. So in a congregational church, you will typically see a lot more voting for a lot of different decisions. You will see a lot more um, um, things that we think are unbiblical, even though we truly respect and love churches that are congregational and we learn a lot from churches that are congregational. Um, there's just biblical reasons we believe um, God hasn't given that particular authority to the congregation to oversee the church. That is strictly given to the elders of the church. Um, another thing you've noticed, uh, you'll notice, is that different denominations use different words for pastor, elder, presbyter, bishop. 
uh, all those things, all those are biblical words, um, uh, whether it's elder, overseer, pastor, overseer, bishop, we kind of see them as the same office. Um, all those terms refer to the one and same office that scripture teaches about. And there's kind of a nice little Venn diagram there that talks about the different Greek words that are used in different contexts and how they're kind of talking about the one office of pastor, elder. Um, so, um, so you'll hear the pastors here referred to as elders or pastors. We don't use the word bishops or presbyters or anything like that, but um, those biblical words uh, refer to the same office as well. Um, so um, we also believe um, Part B in vitally involved members. Um, and, and this is important here, just as important as the first one, is that there is no fundamental difference between the congregation and elders. Um, the elders don't act as some sort of mediators between the congregation and God. Uh, we don't have some special access to God that a member in the church does not have. Um, in fact, as Steve likes to say, we are, we are pastors are first and foremost. We are members of the church, just like you guys. Um, and we are first and foremost um, the sheep of the flock of God. You know, that Christ is the chief shepherd of this church. So that is fundamentally how we uh, view ourselves and our position in the church, while at the same time not abdicating the responsibility given to elders to lead and to govern and to oversee the church. Um, so point two there, the health of the local church depends on all its members, whether they're in leadership or not. The members' faithful participation, willing submission, mutual love, godly example, and ongoing exercise of spiritual gifts and wise counsel provide strength and stability in the local church. Yeah. I do have a question with um, just some of the titles, because I know we've yeah. got our three pastors, but we do have elders that lead, or um, like when Paula and Kristen were like put in their yeah. spots, were they their elders of those specific ministries? Yeah. Yeah. Dude, like, how does that go? That there? is such a good question, because that is not covered in here at all. Um, I thought they were deaconesses. Or deacons. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so they're deacons. Okay. So, um, yeah. That's a really good question. Yeah, so they're deacons, they're not pastors or elders. So deacon roles are primarily, um, they're, they're, they do assist the elders in a very significant way. Uh, so we have a group of deacons. They are not, um, they're not kind of like a second legislative body of sorts that keeps the elders accountable or something. And sometimes it works that way in other churches. Um, elder or deacons are under the elders in our church, and they are basically um, they do have particular giftings in leadership, um, but they oversee particular ministry areas that are focused on um, temporal needs of the church, physical needs of the church. So uh, there's just a lot of areas. Once you have a building, once you have a bunch of different ministries. Um, so Kristen is over hospitality. Paula is over. Um, Welcome, greeting. We have deacons for uh, building and security, and, and we did have one for finance. We need to, to, to work on that. So some of those um, more temporal, physical needs of the church, um, deacons are invaluable resource uh, to the elders to to kind of help help in those areas. For the financial deacon, um, is what like who are they looking for? Somebody who has like an accounting degree or um Somebody that's a millionaire um, right. has a lot of money that <laughs> gives. Jesus, <laughs> just um, so so I'm kind of so Steve kind of oversees like raising new elders. My role is to raise new deacons. Um, I don't think it's net. So Kale Zaini was our previous deacon of finance, and when they left, so he was just an engineer. Unfortunately, he wasn't a millionaire. Unfortunately. Um, uh, there's a few people we have in mind that we're kind of working with. It's not really necessarily your, th those can be super helpful things, um, but the qualifications for deacons in scriptures much more to do with their character mm -hmm. and their spiritual maturity and their gifting in that particular area of mind. Um, same with elders, right? Uh, we value the character piece way more than the skill at the end of the day. So like, you'll probably see that in our 
hopefully, as elders, you know, like we would probably want to strive in our character way more. Not that the skill isn't important, it's extremely important, and we want to cultivate the gifts that God has given each person <clears throat> to be able to use to build up the church. Um, but, you know, just because someone is really handy and owns a business does not make them qualified to be a deacon of the building, you know, different things like that. Does that make sense? Or just because they have an accounting degree does not qualify yeah. them yes. for, for Yes, it does. No, I was uh, not sure how that works. Yeah. So uh, there are different areas that we are, um, I'm kind of, and I'm always open to um, suggestions or anything like that. Uh, we've done that several times. Um, but what I do is typically I'll just kind of, I'll just ask people personally and be like, hey, this is an area you want to serve in. I would probably want them to see them serve kind of faithfully and see if this is kind of a good fit for a while before we would even bring them to the congregation to be like, hey, this is a role that, so like Kristen and Paula were serving in those roles for like over a year before they became deacons. Um, it, one, people see their faithfulness, their godly example, their spiritual maturity, so that when the deacon thing happens, it's not, no one's, no one's really like, what? Like, they, you know, and we kind of view elders that way as well. Like, people, people will recognize that people are pastoral and doing pastoral type things for a while before we would be like, hey, we think this person is a candidate for elder, you know. Um, so hopefully that helps. It does. Thank you. Um, we're part of Sovereign Grace Churches. Um, we talked about this. I'll just highlight that um, sentence in Talix there. Such cooperation is necessary for the protection of doctrin doctrinal fidelity, standards of holiness, the correction of common mission, and the disposal of common funds. So um, we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, going on, but um, being part of Sovereign Grace is super important to us. It helps us in our mission together um, to plant and strengthen churches. Um, we have sent people to the Pastors College down in Louisville. That's where Steve and Kale went um, to be trained. Um, I didn't do that. It's, it's not really a requirement for on staff as a pastor like a paid they, they would highly recommend that you go there um, for me you kind of have to uproot your family and move down there for like 10 months so it's a little challenging good morning hi how are you not bad i'm just gonna bring up stand but it works <laughs> yeah do you need help we are on page 54. Okay. um so, uh, doctrinal unity, there is a statement of faith. It's very, uh, it's not included in this binder. There's a link to it because it's very lengthy. Uh, but it is a um, document that all Sovereign Grace pastors subscribe to and are teaching in accordance to that statement of faith. Um, uh, we really can't take exception to that and be part of Sovereign Grace, uh, especially on uh, things that, doctrines that are important. The corporate. Sorry? The corporate branch of Sovereign Grace. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a printout of that? Uh, I do. Okay. Uh, it's in the little coffee room there. I can, I can grab it for you around. They're little booklets. I don't know if people have seen them around in the front bookshelf or anything like that. Um, okay. We probably should just give you guys all of those. But, okay. We'll do that. Uh, extra local accountability. I think I talked about this, but there is... Um, um, not just local pastors, but there's divided up into regions. So all the elders from the regions are um, accessible to even members of this church for uh, any reason, um, really, whatsoever. Um, if the elders aren't doing their job or going off course, things like that. Members have access to them or they have access to members? <laughs> members have access to them. Uh, I don't know how they would have access to members. Um, yeah. There's really no reason they should, the extra local elders are involved here unless we request their help in a particular situation. Um, you know, or the only time that would happen is if they hear like, hey, we heard that like you guys are supporting these unbiblical views. Or something blows up and is like, hey, a member of your church kind of, you know, 
something got involved and we think, you know, I, I can't even see something like that happening, but, um, but there, there could be scenarios where they would certainly come talk to the pastors and be like, hey, what's going on here? And are we aware of the situation? Anyway, by the like network of Southern Grace churches, like financially, yeah, no, okay. So, typically, all that we are, we own fully, it is not part of the denomination. So, that also means like it's on us at the end of the day right. to like make this um, um, financially sustainable. Every local church needs to be financially sustainable. Now, because we are we lean into church planting, when usually the first three years of a new church plan, there is there are there's funding available for that, and our tied money goes yeah. towards that. So, yeah, when a new church starts, you know, there's no way that can be sustainable initially, right? Until we get enough members who can give towards that. So, um, so yeah, yeah, uh, there, there's there's funding available and even like for us like even though we were sustainable when we were purchasing this building we had to come up with like ninety thousand dollars in a month to pay for the down payment and we just kind of asked the region if the regional churches if they can help support and they yeah, it was like 10 grand which was huge help um but uh, we came up with that in, in no time and the lord the lord provided in his kindness so yeah, they've, they've been super helpful. Like Stephen Kale will be going to the pastors' conference here in November. It's some that's kind of a national conference that we do. All the pastors get together, time of encouragement, teaching, equipping. Um, it, it's just a time of it, we we have a lot of friends in Sour Grace. You know, yeah. uh, Steve has been part part of it for almost less than twenty years. I've been around for fifteen years, maybe. So. Getting to know other pastors. One thing I've appreciated is there there is a there is a type of Southern Grace pastor, and like you probably like if you've kind of interacted with us, you would find a similar feel of pastors in other Southern Grace churches because of these kind of shared values and doctrines that we that we have. Um, not saying we're perfect. Not saying there's not bad pastors. Um, no, all of that. Not saying we can't go off the rails either, um, but um, it's, it is a sweet relational, um, encouraging time when we get together with um, other Sovereign Grace pastors. Um, so two big things we do with Sovereign Grace as pastors: in the fall we go to a national conference for all the pastors, and then in the spring we go to a regional conference, which is maybe about six churches in our area, just so we can be a little more focused in our care uh, for each other. Jace. Hudson, who came and preached here a month ago, probably, he's our regional leader. So each region has a regional leader and he kind of helps um, lead and shepherd the pastors in the, in the area. So he's a really good resource for us. But really, things things happen in our church and we call Jace sometimes and just to be like, it can be a pastoral situation, even the financial situation that we've been kind of navigating recently at our church, um, just to get counsel and what do they do how much do they pay their staff? How do they think about all these things? So really good resources for us so we're not like on our own at the end of the day. Is he a pastor of his own church yeah. or is his job No, <clears throat> pretty much um, if you have a roles in the denomination, which all three of us do, uh, you have to be a pastor in your lo local church. Um, that's kind of the baseline requirement. So yeah, he's the lead pastor of the church in Akron. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, but that's a bigger church. They have like four guys on staff, so he, you know, he can it's delegate a little bit. Yeah, so he can spend more time on the regional stuff. Um, roles and responsibilities of pastors, Part D. Um, let me just kind of uh, highlight the bullet points here. Pastors are called to lead the church. Uh, words that are used are oversee and to rule. Um, that that means like everything that the church does together ultimately falls on the shoulders of the pastors to make sure it happens mm -hmm. right it doesn't mean they are doing everything it doesn't mean um they're really bad pastors if they are doing everything but the mm -hmm. but it all does land um, on the responsibility of the pastors to make sure it is happening right um that's what they're given for 
pastors are called to nourish the church. Uh, they're called to equip members, uh, called to shepherd the church, to care for the church, according to scripture. Uh, they're called to teach sound doctrine, to strengthen the life of the church. Uh, they're called to discern errors and temptations offered by the culture, to protect the church from uh, erroneous doctrine and practice. Uh, we're called to model, encourage, protect biblical standards of godliness. Um, so that means sometimes we have to, unfortunately, administer church discipline in cases when, um, you know, unrepentant believers who are, don't want to come back to the Lord. Um, what does that look like practically? Yeah. I haven't seen it firsthand. Yeah, something. we're kind of in the process of one right now, actually. Some, uh, it's really heartbreaking stuff. So church discipline for us, it, it is, um, you know, the word discipline carries a lot of, everything from parenting to church experience. There can be a lot of bad experiences related to it, but um, church discipline, we believe Jesus has um, given that to the church to for the benefit of this church. Um, not only to, the most important reason is to use it to draw back straying members, members who have strayed away to, just think of it in a parenting context, like I'm not talking about exactly how you discipline your kids, but discipline exists to protect that child, to draw them back to um, ultimately to, to the Lord, but but into um, to the family even. Um, so that's kind of the purpose of it. It's not to um, shame, reprimand, or to um, or or do anything like that. So currently, right now, I, we have never the worst. So there's stages of discipline. I would say regular discipline is happening all the time, mm -hmm. and it should be happening all the time in friendships, and every time you get coffee, every time, mm -hmm. um, and it doesn't have to be confrontation, but it can be, you know, if someone is dabbling in a particular sin and don't care about it, you know, or they're, you know, uh, such a terribly easy example, but, you know, somebody just says kind of they're dabbling in pornography or something like that, but don't care at all. You know, um, that's an opportunity. It doesn't have to become like a big issue in the church, but if a friend confides in you, you're like, hey, like, according to scripture, this is, this is what Jesus says about lust. Like, how can we, what are you doing? How can I help you? Those are all disciplined things that hopefully happen all the time, you know. Um, but there are some cases when it does get elevated, when it kind of threatens the unity of the church in a particular way, or there's like serious... Um, unrepentance that um, that as pastors we would feel like hey if we don't draw you back right now we think your soul might be in jeopardy like we, we you may not be a believer if you're going down this path um, and what we want to do is pray and draw you back to the Lord and to scripture and what scripture teaches um, so we're in a case right now where there's uh, you guys probably don't even know this couple because they haven't been attending for almost a year now, but we've been pursuing them for about a year. So discipline cases are very slow, especially by the time they come to the church. Um, it's been months of pastors and probably kind of people in their close circle who have pursued them and tried to have conversations with them. Um, I won't go into a whole lot of details, but like th there's a there's a couple who's kind of straying away from the faith, kind of adopting. Um, uh, unbiblical views of gender and sexuality and for themselves and, and different things like that and we've tried to have conversations with them like hey this is kind of what scripture teaches like we'd love to understand and hear kind of how you come to your conclusions and um, but but this is what scripture teaches and the Lord would call you back to that um, and, but, you know, because they went through membership, they know our stance on everything. They know what we believe the Bible teaches, um, and that's to be authoritative in our lives. Um, so we're walking through that right now. We, we hope they would not get to the point where they're like, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. We kind of are taking this position. Um, the worst part is when they still claim to be believers. So the key part is when it gets to that extreme level, they're still claiming to be Christians, but there's some inconsistency in their doctrine and practice that really would, we would really question, like, hey, I'm not sure if you're a true believer, you know, because you are 
their heart is hardened towards what scripture teaches about um, something very um, central to who we are as persons and God's design. Um, so we're, man, I think we're very slow. We're talking to everyone we know close to them. We're kind of talking to their parents as well. Um, just to see if there's anything we're missing, are we not understanding the situation correctly, really trying to navigate it slowly. Um, and I hope this doesn't come to it, but potentially, if, if worst case scenario, in a situation like this, we would, uh, we would bring it before the church at a family member's meeting and kind of be like, hey, this is what we've navigated over the past year. These are the few other people, other than elders, that have been involved. Um, and, um, kind of our final thing is we would kind of send a letter to them and be like, hey, like, we are excommunicating you from the church. Well, and it's, I, I think that's really reflective of that passage in Matthew. Yeah. You also have 1 Corinthians 5, verse 4, when you're assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus and my spirit is present with you, with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man, he's talking about somebody who's in sexual sin, yeah. unrepentant, yeah. deliver him over to Satan, but... He says that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Yeah. So it's always for the purpose of reconciliation. So. Yeah. Yeah. Thankfully, the Bible is very clear on these matters. Otherwise, it'd be like, how do we handle this? Exactly. Yeah. First Corinthians four, what? Five. First Corinthians five, verse four. Five, verse four. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good example. There's a guy that's sleeping with his um, dad's stepwife, potentially. Mm. You know. So and not repentant about it, right? So how can that exist in the church, basically? So um, the warning here is, like, hand him over to Satan, which basically we would say, I mean, our understanding of that is, like, excommunicate them from the church outside of God's protection and care and right. all the privileges in the church. Um, and hopefully that warning, that fear of being outside God's uh, blessing and protection would cause this person to repent and... Yeah, I'll come back. Can I ask a question? Yeah. So when you're talking about you spend like over a year of time, what does that, in that time frame look, is this like every three months or something, or is this like a saturated like time coming around and like really diving in with the person, or like... So like the hard thing in the particular situation we're in, like there's not a willingness to, to meet us, right? But so there's a lot of individual pursuit of one pastor for sure. That happens maybe over a period of months, and maybe there's sparse meetings during that time. And when kind of one person kind of gets to the end of it, they'll kind of involve another pastor to maybe see maybe there's another way to get them. So it's not like typically in these situations, there if we even are at this point, there's an unwillingness of the other party to even like meet with us. So like we're kind of stuck a lot of times. We're like we can't have conversations. We can't learn more. We can't understand because there's an unwillingness. Um, like in this situation, they've already kind of joined another church, and that is, we think, unbiblical on some of these issues. So it, it leaves us almost, we don't know what to do. Like it's, it's not that we've sent them letters, um, unreturned phone calls, texts, but there's still members here who <laughs> we're supposed to give an account to the Lord for, so what do we do? Um, so at this last family meeting, uh, we kind of brought it to the church, um, we even mentioned their names, and we kind of said, this is a matter of prayer at this point for the whole church. Um, we hope that the Lord uses the prayer, and we also encourage, like, hey, if you have connections with them, if they're willing to talk to you, please, you know, use those means to, um, maybe the Lord would use those connections to um, draw them back. Yeah. But, 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 yeah, the worst case scenario would be to kind of be like, I think the last thing we would do is send a letter to them. We've never done this, so I really don't know how it'll work, and be like, hey, this is our understanding of Scripture. This is what we've tried to do over this last year. This is where you've made clear where you're at. Um, we really think that is, um, we're really not sure you're a believer. And um, our desire is for you to come back to the Lord, to come back to us, and we're always open for that possibility if you are. Um, but if you're not, we have to. Yeah, it's it's really rough. Yeah, um, I hope that doesn't happen. Uh, I mean, it's never happened here, but yeah, if there's, I mean, just a basic situation. If there's a 
guy like runs off with another girl who's you know married here or something like that. Um, yeah, what what there, it's awkward. Like sometimes it's like the guy literally leaves town and there's no access to this person, right? So like, how do you even administer church discipline in those situations? Um, yeah, there was a marriage situation. Oh, I wonder why I forgot this. There was a good case of church discipline <laughs> maybe five years ago where the girl kind of literally packed up her stuff and left. Like, no, didn't give anyone any information on what the heck was happening. Didn't want to talk to the guy anymore. There were married members of our church would not talk to anyone, would not respond to everyone. Everyone was like, man, she definitely like ran off with someone. Like, this is so random. Like, um, but that we were wrong about that. Like, um, there were um, just some mental health uh, challenges there. And um, we pursued, there were just some close friends that pursued for six, seven months or whatever. We did bring it to the church and we we're like, hey, we need prayer. And if you know how to get a hold of this girl, and the guy is sitting there totally clueless, like, I don't even know what to do. Like, mm. I don't even know what to do. Uh, she didn't say anything, there's no letter, I have no access to her anymore. Um, anyway, through the prayers of the church, she did come back around, and that's when we couldn't even learn information about the, uh, some of the challenges she was experiencing, um, just mentally and psychologically until that time. Anyway, their marriage was preserved, and through, and that's, and even to that step of bringing to the church, I think that just brings the church together and be like, hey, we're fighting for this marriage. We're fighting for this family. We don't want Satan to win here, you know. Um, and if the whole church comes together, you know, may, may, may the Lord be pleased to answer those prayers. And in that situation, they came back, got married, or not got married, they remained married. <laughs> um, you know, that was, um, I feel free talking about this because they're no longer members here. Um, and they're still married just because of distance. They were driving like 45 minutes to come here. We, um, we encouraged them to find a church nearby because after a while it was just hard for them to regularly attend our church and things like that. So, um, yeah. Would you say that the point of all that is really coming to like an acknowledgement of reality and like clear terms of where things are so then like you know as the pastors who you're caring for yeah. and like what you're holding to and where the person is so then you can move towards things yeah I think that acknowledgement of reality is a really good way to define it and it's really hard to get to that sometimes there's not access to information sometimes there's competing stories and it's like you know um, if Church discipline is not a situation. Now, if there's things that are happening, like domestic violence or abuse or things like that, those are, not that they're not part of church discipline, but they go beyond church discipline. Those are legal issues where like, it's kind of beyond the scope of what a pastor can do in those situations. You know, it's, we need external help. We need the authorities and law enforcement to be involved of those situations, right? So, um, uh, so yeah. So there's the, so we do have to navigate those things. If if it is, um, we would have to bring in law enforcement in different situations where it's like, okay, this is not what we are. We can't like try people and send them to prison or something like that. That's not the authority that the Lord has given to us. But people who claim to be Christians, they should act like Christians, and, and that's basically it. Um, and these are like in the most significant, severe type situations. This is not like, oh, you're not. I missed four days on my Bible reading plan. Yeah, yeah. This is this is nothing. These are like significant. <laughs> <laughs> um, and now yeah. I can't catch up, so I just gave up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah adultery, abuse, changing. Um, like if you if you reject some central court tenant of the faith about who Jesus is or, you know, how we're saved. Like, all those things are like, man, I, it, yeah, hellfire is the potential um, outcome of that if, if you don't come back from those situations, right? So, hopefully that never happens. And that's why, like, membership is important because up front, if we're kind of clear on, like, hey, this is kind of what we believe and how we work, 
um, then it's not like people would take it seriously. I mean, their faith seriously and um, things like that. Okay, uh, we can talk more about this, yeah. certainly. Um, we serve our church, we're examples to our church. Uh, let's talk about roles of members. Um, okay. Um, people are always like, well, what do I do? Like, it seems like this is not a church where, like, the pastors have all these responsibilities and the members don't. Because pastors are members. There are tons of responsibilities Scripture gives us for members. And uh, we want to take those seriously as, as well. Um, as pastors, and, you know, I, I'd say the most important thing we would love for our members to be responsible for is their own relationship with the Lord. You know, uh, cultivating that, um, putting yourself in places where your relationship can grow in relation, um, not only in the structures that we provide in the church, whether it's Sundays or men's and women's things, but also in relationships with one another. Um, nothing brings us more joy than members who are pursuing the Lord and growing in their walk with the Lord, right? Uh, if that is happening, I feel like every so many other things kind of take care of themselves, right? Um, we desire our members to cultivate a love for the members of the church. Uh, you know, there is a responsibility. Just as pastors are responsible in some way for the flock, members also are responsible for one another, right? So it's weird to look across the table and be like, hey, if I am um, covenanting with you, in some way I am responsible for um, your walk with the Lord. So it is my responsibility to encourage you to point you to Christ, even in small ways, um, you know, throughout our interactions. Obviously, we're not going to be, like, in the know of each other's lives in an equal way in the church, right? There'll probably be, I'd say for most members, it's probably normal to have one to three people <laughs> in the church that probably know the difficult things, and, um, and we hope everyone has that. But there will be a larger group, maybe hopefully five to ten people that know general things that are going on in your life and how they could be praying for you. Um, but probably not everyone's going to know everything, and that's okay, and that's very normal as our church grows. Um, but we are responsible to at least look at others and be like, hey, I am, God has given you to me so I can encourage you and um, point you to Christ. Uh, we do desire and expect people to participate in our celebration gatherings on Sunday mornings. Um, we members uh, to support their church financially. Certainly, we've talked a lot about this recently, um, but there is an expectation of, hey, this doesn't work as a church if everyone doesn't contribute. Um, so, if you want to know more on that, I gave a talk on that over the summer on what we believe about giving. Certainly, we don't think everyone is um, required to give a particular percentage, but we do believe um, giving giving from the heart is more important. And if you go to Part D on page 59, like this is kind of what we want our giving to look like. We want giving to the church to be generous, uh, not stingy. We want it to be enthusiastic, not begrudgingly. We want it to be deliberate, not haphazardly. We want it to be discreet, not showy. We want it to be with faith, uh, not with anxiety. Uh, so that's that's kind of um, um, something we desire for our members to grow in. And it's not something you, as everyone's kind of good at, or you actually kind of start giving a particular amount and that means you can't grow in how you give because a lot of these things when it relates to giving it's about the attitude of your heart um, that's what the Lord is focused on you know and as the Lord grows us in those areas uh, yes it reflects in our financial giving um, but what is most important to the Lord is our attitude and our heart and our giving um, number five we desire members to follow church's pastoral leadership um let me read uh, this paragraph under faithful submission. Um, fundamentally, submission, of talking about church members, um, is an attitude, a disposition to affirm and support the leadership of the church and to increase its effectiveness through joyful and faithful participation. That's kind of the big 
big thing here, just participating in the kind of the direction and the leadership and the vision of the church is kind of what we are talking about um, when we're saying church, uh, following uh, pastoral leadership. Uh, he has appointed leaders for us and he will use them for our good, kind of that mentality. It recognizes the critical role that leadership plays in bringing about God's purposes in the church and in the lives of believers. Um, so even though pastors have particular authority over their members, it is not a it is not a type of authority that um, it's a derived authority. It's an authority that rests on God's word. We can't really expect or say anything to any one of our members unless God says it very clearly, right, uh, in his word. But 95% of life and decisions that are made every day kind of aren't in that category. I don't know if that makes sense. Like, yes. like job, you know. Whether four-year-old should be in nursery or not. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there, there's, was that a joke? No, I'm being oh. serious. Like, oh, there you go because we didn't know if it was like. No, I was laughing because the conversation we had. Is I know, that's why I was laughing. Like, I was yeah. like, you mean a no, three-year-old I mean, or a four-year-old? Yeah. Yeah. Like, if the elders are like, hey, this is, we want four-year-olds to be in the service. Yeah. In, in the congregation is resisting, resisting, resisting. That's not having that attitude of submission to say, okay, you guys have a pastoral reason that you want to do this. You've explained it. And so, therefore, we want to have a, an attitude that the second half of yeah. um, Hebrews 13 says, let them do this with joy. Well, the, if you're constantly opposing yeah. your elders' leadership, they're not doing it with joy. Yeah. And it makes it hard, yeah. Yeah. But you're right. Not everything is laid out in the scriptures. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, certainly, and it, but even in those things, we're, we're, we just want, you guys are coming in fresh to this whole thing, so don't assume, like, decisions that have been made are, like, a closed issue. So, like, even if the children thing is, like, hey, we've rocked this for, like, three or four years now, so tough luck if you're having a hard time with it. It's like, no, this is new to you guys. Yeah, it's on us to help you guys mm -hmm. understand that and navigate patiently through that, so we would certainly want to try and do that. Um, but it also means that certain dis like pastors don't have authority to like tell you what to do in your life. <laughs> you know, uh, there have been pastors that will tell you like, "Hey, don't take this job," or "You can't, um, you can't move here," or "You can't go there." Or um, now, if there is a clear biblical reason as far as like. And I'm not talking about biblical reason that says obey your elders, but biblical reason like, hey, this is like a sinful job that would like, you know, uh, be detrimental to you. But um, other than something like that, uh, so a lot of our authority is more counseling. You know, it comes off in the form of counseling as opposed to command. You know, so there's a difficult marriage situation. Like we're, we counsel in those situations. We rarely ever say you must do this or you're sinning. You know. I don't think we would ever say something like that, unless you are, I don't know, I have to caveat everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but rarely those situations arise where it's kind of, um, you know, yeah, I mean, they do occasionally when it is like clear sin against God, and it's like, okay, this is what God's word says, and we need to draw you back to that. But most normal things that people are talking to pastors about is just like, what should I do in this situation? Like, how should I... Um, the situation with my parent or the situation with my kids and things like that. And a lot of that is just counseling. It's just like, this is what we think God's word um, would say in the situation, but you know, you have the Holy Spirit and you can get counsel from other members, you can get prayer from other members and things like that. So anyway, but yeah, faith-filled is something that does bring us joy, especially in kind of how we lead the church and Sundays, Wednesdays, and kind of the ministries of the church. Um, we are not... So we we love feedback. So even in these ministries, what we do on a Sunday morning, maybe you come come and you like, dude, like kids' moment sucks. Uh, okay, uh, why? Constructive feedback. <laughs> that's constructive feedback. Uh, you know, that's fine. Like we're totally open to like, um, hey, this is why we do these things, and how can we make it better so that it meets the needs that we're trying to meet and fulfill this kind of um, goal that we have, but also not be like, sucky. Um, so, um, 
praying for pastors, appreciating pastors. Um, these are all biblical things. I know it feels weird on my end to sit here and be like, hey, this is, you need to do this. But scripture does talk about those things. Um, and it's not just pastors. Um, scripture just talks about honoring authority in general. You know, that that's the kind of the type of culture where we want to have. Um, and um, that appreciation um, and people will have fathers and mothers in the faith when they come here as well, right? And sometimes it's not the pastors that are like kind of the closest in um, a person's life. And those people need to be appreciated and honored as well in the faith. Um, pursue God-honoring relationships. Hopefully you do that. I think what that really means is like baseline. We don't speak poorly of other people in the church, you know. We don't talk about things behind their back, slander, gossip. Things happen. People are annoying. I mean, baseline. Everyone gets annoyed at things people do. Those are <laughs> those are normal things that happen in relationships. That happens in marriage. It happens in, in the family. It happens in the church. Um, a lot of times we just bear with each other and because, because of the immense patience the Lord has had on us. But if there is a level of hurt that someone's experienced or someone has offended them, um, yeah, we don't talk about them behind their backs. We go to them and be like, hey, this kind of, um, I'm not sure if I understood this correctly, but this kind of bothered me. Can we talk about this? Those are very normal things that happen here, even, and um, something we, we encourage. Um, uh, we desire members to receive new members and pursue strength members. Hopefully that uh, is self-explanatory. Uh, we desire members to participate in evangelistic and discipling relationships. That's just part of being a church. You're meeting with people, you're being encouraged by them, you're encouraging others. Um, that's part of the life and culture of the church. So those are the things, like, as you're coming in, if you're like, yeah, I think I can do those things. That's kind of what's, what it means to be a member here. Um, and it's going to look different for everyone, different giftings, different stage of life, um, different availability based on job situation or home situation, whatever it is. Um, but there's something in each of these areas that we can contribute uh, to the life of the body. Is I, said, I said amen. 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 Okay. Um, woo, a little early. Um, okay. So I think I talked about this church covenant here. Um, let me just, I'll, I'll just read this part B of the church covenant. This document will function as a commitment between each of us as members. It's a statement that we agree to be held accountable by this particular body of believers, this local representation of Christ's church. Likewise, we agree to hold others in the church accountable. To hold accountable simply means to take responsibility for. A church covenant void of this responsibility is a worthless document. The love that we have for one another shows the world that we are disciples of Christ. This covenant reminds us, pushes us, calls us to live out, of, out by grace, that which we believe by grace. We both want to know things that we believe and do the things um, that our church covenant talks about. Um, let me just read this church covenant. It's, just, it's super encouraging to me every time I read it. And in all that you learned and all that you forgot and all that you have questions for, this is kind of all it boils down to what we're kind of asking members to do when they join. Um, having been brought by... Brought? Okay. Is it brought? Yeah, brought. Yeah. yeah. I thought I said bought. Brought. Or, I didn't think that was brought. a typo. Both could work. Yeah. No, I think it is brought. Sorry. Having been brought by God's sovereign grace to repent and believe in the good news of Jesus Christ and his saving worth, and having been baptized upon our profession of faith, we now, we do now, relying on his grace, solemnly and joyfully affirm our covenant with each other. We will pray and labor to be faithful disciples of Jesus Christ, devoted to the glory of God, resting in the gospel of his Son, and dependent upon the work of the Holy Spirit. To that end, we will not forsake assembling together, but will faithfully attend our corporate worship, treasuring our church's weekly opportunity to sing, pray, and receive the whole counsel of God's word. We will defend and maintain a gospel-centered ministry by upholding and attending to biblical preaching, the administration of the sacraments, and the exercise of church discipline. We will walk together in brotherly love, as becomes the members of a local church. We will pray for and serve one another, exercise an affectionate care and watchfulness over each other, 
and reject all opportunities to speak or hear gossip or slander. We will instead seek to encourage one another and build each other up in the faith. We will rejoice with those who rejoice and endeavor with tenderness and sympathy to bear with each other's burden and sorrows. We will seek to proclaim and adorn the gospel of Christ before our family, friends, and neighbors, and faithfully transfer the gospel to future generations. We will contribute cheerfully and regularly to the support of our local church, to the care of our members, and to the spread of the gospel locally and to all nations. We will, if we move from this place as soon as possible, unite with some other church where we can carry out the spirit of this covenant and the teaching of God's word. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. So. Any questions, uh, just high level on membership, high level on membership, and just kind of the process uh, going forward for you guys? Are we getting emailed with the membership? Yeah, so you'll get an email this week. It should have video sessions um, maybe a little later in the week, unfortunately. Are the video sessions this or yeah. other material? No, okay. the sessions, for in case you missed them. Okay. Um, and um, yeah, you'll get that. You'll get a link to the membership uh, class uh, questionnaire. Um, fill that out. And then once you've done that, that kind of tells us, like, at least you're willing to move forward and meet with one of the pastors. And um, we'll, and based on kind of your responses, that'll kind of help us prepare for, uh, like, hey, what are certain questions, whether it's doctrinally or different things that, that you would like to discuss. Um, that would be helpful. Then we can go from there. As far as what happens after that, so this kind of, I don't know how many people will actually go through with it, but there were like 16 or 17 that signed up for the class. So um, we have to fill this out, kind of meet with all the people between the three pastors, and then um, once all that is done and the membership no covenant is signed, we will do one Sunday. Hopefully everyone can make it on that Sunday before the church where we present you to the church. Um, even before that, we'll send out an email to our current members and be like, hey, we're planning on receiving these members on this day. If you have any questions or concerns, get back to us. And then on a Sunday, it'll be a joyful celebration of accepting new members. Um, you get nice little gifts from Don, who makes awesome gift bags for everyone. Is that when we get the $100 gift card? <laughs> yeah. Sign check your Jeez. treasure in heaven. <laughs> yeah, it's a coupon. Well, anyway. Uh, with that, is it like more like... Spring, yeah, so our goal right now is December. Okay. Yeah, so month of November is kind of what we're shooting for to get all these meetings done. That's a lot. It is a lot, but, uh, and I'm gone for most of November, so I'm leaving for Turkey November 1st for, uh, and then London after that. Um, but, yeah, we'll see. We'll get it done. I think the locals will really appreciate that. <laughs> I'm sure they will. <laughs> yeah, so December is what we're shooting for. I can't even remember if it's like 10th or it's not close to Christmas. It's like one of the, maybe the second Sunday of December is what we're aiming for. Uh, you won't have to say anything in front of the church. Um, we, what we did last time, we've done a couple different ways, but we'll probably just um, make a little pamphlet with kind of your name, your picture, details about your family, and probably something the church can be praying for you for, and that'd be a way for the church to be like, oh, name, face, things I could pray for them for, something like that. All right, let me pray, and then we can do Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for this time. Uh, thank you for these last six weeks and um, these dear people that you've brought to us. And thank you for their humility, their desire to learn, and um, even some of their desires to become members here. And Lord, we're grateful for that. Uh, pray that you bless each one of them. Uh, give them faith for what you have for them, uh, whether it's uh, membership here or uh, another gospel-centered church, Lord. Thank you. Uh, Lord, we just pray for this morning. Uh, be with Kale as he preaches. Um, help us, Lord, even as the things that we're 
we learned this morning and how we care for other members. Give us a heart for that. Open our eyes. Holy Spirit, please put people on our heart that we can go to and pray for and encourage. Um, Lord, for where we need to be ministered, I pray that you would speak to us uh, through your word, by your spirit, and through other members this morning. We thank you, Lord. Be glorified in all that we do.